latest from Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Welcome back to the Glasgow Warriors Club podcast. You can find us in all the regular places and get in touch in all the regular ways. I'm delighted to be back joined with Adam Ash. Ashy, it feels like a couple of weeks since we've done this together. It feels right again. Yeah, must be longer than a couple of weeks. Must be about a month. When was the last time we done it? When I was in camp. Yeah, we've done a couple of phone ones, but this is this is what it's all about. Yeah, good to be back, uh, back at home here at Scotston, and uh, yeah, massive, massive week, big game. Looking forward to it. We've got Fraser Brown here with us. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm all good. I'm all good. Just been waiting for Ashley to finish training. I've been a bit later finishing today. Uh, there was a 7 a.m. wait session this morning. I wasn't up for that, so I, was I got it that. done after lunch. You you came in? Yeah, I was in that. What time did you leave the house this morning? Uh, I left at 10 past 6. <laughs> you still stay through in Edinburgh? Yeah, but I'm like a farmer boy. I get up at half five most days. So. All right, that's so yeah, your background coming, coming in handy. Yeah, go home for a nap before my wife gets home. Actually, you've had a bit of a tough time of it lately. Can you can you <laughs> divulge your? Do, is it an injury? Is it? That is an injury. Some sort of it's injury. A serious injury. <laughs> so I, I had to get a cyst removed out my lower 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 back. <laughs> um, Causing me a, a few issues for a while. So uh, it was at the point where it was kind of infected and, and had to get. So it's an ingrown off. hair in your lower 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 back. Lower back. So. Uh, yeah, I had to, Unpleasant. to get a wee, um, yeah, I guess you could call it a little mini operation to get, get the cyst taken out. Um, I've seen, yeah, it's, I've it's seen better, the pictures. Yeah, it's not pretty. I haven't been able to I enjoy the sharing the, the pictures on social media, that's for sure. Um, but I'm getting better, I'm healing, I'm, I'm back into training with the team now. So sit uh, down, man. And I can sit down, here we are, sitting nice and comfy. That on was, a rubber ring, though. Yeah, Do you just carry that around <laughs> everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. It was pretty pretty rough for the few days after it, but... Um, to be fair, I feel bad for the physio that's had to fit your yeah. yeah. I've got a new bond with Francesco. <laughs> we are closer than ever. Um, he has been brilliant. Uh, the doctor showed him how to redress it and whatnot. And uh, you know, luckily the two girls managed to escape that. But he put his hand up. So, so I thank him. Well, literally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as you said, big week here at Scotston. Do you? Can you sense that in training? Is there a bit of edge? A bit of intensity? Uh, the, yeah. I saw you doing a full contact session today where boys going a bit harder than usual uh, yeah everyone was fully stoked and happy for full contact today <laughs> um, no nah, like I, I like these weeks like um, obviously quarter final weeks are a bit different to the rest of the season but for me it's like the same kind of feeling as when you get like the Munster weeks the Leinster mm-hmm. weeks you know there's always it's like excitement it's almost like a sadistic excitement at the start of the week because you know you're going to get fairly you know mangled on yeah. Saturday afternoon, but like, you enjoy it. Well, I enjoy it anyway. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a bit of a buzz going around the place. Yeah, definitely. You always kind of notice a little step up, yeah. as you say. And, um, it's good. I feel pretty fresh after having last week's <laughs> training off, so I took about 25 tackles today, uh, which was nice to get back in the swing of things. Uh, but yeah, it's hugely exciting. I mean, massive game. Uh, as, a, as a club, we've been here before. Um, so we are familiar with it and, and I think everybody's relishing the challenge ahead. You guys relish those contact sessions but who is it out there who, right contact who all of a sudden their cast hurting and they have to sit out, who are they? Hasto. Adam, yeah. <laughs> Hoggy. Hoggy. It's Hoggy's return to contact this week and I didn't see him put any tackles in. I've been standing at the side for sure. Um, uh, there's a few, 
with a few backs that migrate towards each other and, and stay in the same group. Is there anyone who hits above their weight though, kind of a, a really skinny guy who actually you run at and you're on your ass? Sammy J. Yeah. Like uh, anyone that watched the Six Nations has seen Sammy's a hard hitter, but Sammy's like proper Aussie rugby league background, throws himself to it and it's snappy in half. How do um how do we beat Saracens then? We've had a couple of cracks at it and it feels like every time we're taking a step in the right direction, how do we make sure that this is the the time that we, we go that next step? Score more points. <laughs> um, I don't know, like I think I had press today and they were asking like the similar questions and mm-hmm. they were like, Do you take heart from Scotland? and but it's like, well you kinda do and you don't but at the end of the day, it comes down to just literally if you can pull out your best game of rugby of the season on the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be physical. Like the, the forwards, the forwards will win the game. You know, if they can dominate the set piece, if they can win those collisions, if they can stop gain line from big ball carriers, you know, they'll provide quick ball. Our backs can can rip anyone to pieces. Uh, and that's not saying that Saris have not got unbelievable backs. They've got world-class players but you've you got to look after the nuts and bolts of your game first so your line-out your line-out defence your scrum your contact work um, I think the two games already this season so the one up at Scotston unbelievably physical mm-hmm. like you just have to look at the injury toll after the game I think there was seven Saris boys that were that couldn't play the next week I think there was about ten of us who either didn't play the next week or were but he strapped together mm-hmm. just so we could go down and, and win down in Cardiff. So that was unbelievably physical. Mm-hmm. And then the game down at, at Allianz was so fast. Like I was watching, and, and the way that we started, the first 35 minutes was one of the best 35 minutes of rugby we played this season. Like Pricey was on fire, um, the forwards were getting over the game line again and again. And when you talk about physicality, you think big bruising like contests like pick and go at this it wasn't it was it was so physical but it was so fast mm-hmm. and like that for us that's the key well, they like, go you were saying in press earlier that those two things go hand in hand don't they if the forwards are physical the backs can play quickly yeah like if you're physical and you can win that that physical battle it generates quick ball it doesn't mean sticking up your jumper and trying to run over the top of each other it just means that you generate quick ball and then you can play anywhere on the pitch and that's not running from your own 22 every single time. That's If you get quick ball and you're kicking on the front foot, it's a nightmare to have. If you're front five forward and you've scrummed and you've lined out and you've tackled and you've rocked and you pick your head up and you're like 60 metres, you've got to run back 60 metres. It's soul destroying. <laughs> so like game management will be huge, but just that that battle, like the battle of the breakdown, the battle of the set piece will be massive and, and like giving us a platform to be able to play. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the game last time. I was watching the home game here, and uh, I've got flashback images of you just throwing yourself around. You must have been sore after that game. Yeah, well, I, th- I um, so I popped my AC about five minutes into that game. How was it? I remember you went yeah. down at the start. So, but like, I'm some. I might be a bit different to how like other people's play, but I would rather write myself off at the age of like 32 playing the way that I want to be able to mm. play than be a little bit more conservative and. My wife will kill me for saying this, <laughs> but like, um, but I would like that's the way I play. Like I've always loved doing that. Like, you, it's like I said before, it's like sadistic. It is a weird, like, enjoyable sensation. Like when you wake up the day after a game and you cannot move because you're that sore. Because you know, yeah, you relish know, those collisions. Then, yeah, that? you do, and like you know, 
it doesn't matter who you are if you are carrying the ball and you're getting smashed time and time again you could be the smallest guy on the pitch you could be Manitoulangi you could be it doesn't matter who you are you could be Billy Vinopo if you're getting smashed every single time there's always a bit of you that says the next time you do it you're like oh here we go again like it doesn't matter if you're running over people every single week there's always a bit of you that's like oh here we go again <laughs> and like there's a bit of me that loves knowing that you can put that in someone else's head so uh, <laughs> that's true man. That like, yeah. that's a good point how much of it is psychological do you think having lost to a team consecutively is does that come into it when it comes to actually out on the pitch are you thinking about that or is it just you're thinking what's in front of you um, I don't know what do you think um, I guess it's in the back of our minds you know like we have been beat Know, a couple of times now, um, and you know. Also, in the, I'm, I'm interested in the reverse. We we know what that's like against Cardiff this year. We played Cardiff four times and yeah. we beat them four times. Going into that fourth game, did we? Right, we know we can beat them. So, do you get confidence from that? Does it work, work both ways? Uh, I think I th- you know if you play your game. Yeah. You, you can do that, but teams don't let you play your game. We was it two years ago? We lost four in a trot to Munster, mm-hmm. and then they came here last year and from our point of view we're like we are not losing this time like yeah. we're, we'll do anything to win and we we did win and it was blooming physical and it was a great game of rugby to watch actually mm-hmm. um, I don't know I think there's an aspect of you know getting beat a few times now and, and then you know you, you get to a point where you just you, you throw everything at it you know you're willing to just go all in because you know, you've been beat a few times, you know what it's like to lose. So mm-hmm. so you go down there with the attitude of, you know, let's just go for it here. We absolutely mm-hmm. go for it here. We throw everything in here. And, and you know, we see what happens at the end of the game. And, and I think that, you know, from seeing the last, the, the first 35 minutes of that game we played down there, you know, how we performed, you know, we, we're all certain that if we get it right, we can win. Um, and we can go really far in this competition. So... Regardless of what's happened before, uh, there's there's certainly a hunger within this group to, to put a score in these boys. They've they've always been feisty games, and um, you know it'll be it'll be a massive challenge. No, Ryan Wilson, but he'll he'll have his influence on the game. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be there as well. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's bought himself a ticket so he can just get to the front of the stand. <laughs> just heckle. Yeah. Sitting with the Saracens guys, eh? <laughs> so, uh, that's interesting. That like I always think. I don't know if it's the more the more big games like this you play, the psychology part of it isn't that you win or lose. It's that in those like pressure environments, as a team, not as individuals, because any individual makes a mistake, but as a team can you do the right thing at the right time? Mm-hmm. Like can you control the game at the right at the right time? I think like we're getting much better at that, but then the acid test is can you do it in mm-hmm. the quarterfinals, can you do it in the finals, can you do it against the Saracens, against the Leinsters? Yeah. Um and like that comes down to not like an individual because I say anyone can knock a ball on like anyone can miss a slip off a tackle or miss an offload or, or give a, a penalty away because they're so desperate to go in there and they're, too, they're either too eager and they get a bit flat or they're, they're desperate to try and get an outcome for the team but as a team can you control that 10 minutes of a game mm-hmm. um, which like in reflection if you look back to the game in January we, we didn't control that last 15 minutes very well and Saris were so good that they, they ran away with it in the end um, like that's a psychological thing for me. Like, do you do you believe enough in the guys that are next to you to know that mm-hmm. even if you make a mistake, 
you can control the next 15 minutes and, and find a way to win. I guess that's team psychology. I'm interested in individual psychology, though. In your position, maybe fly half the other one, but there's individual pressure on you. Yeah. you. You have to hit that line out, or in the same way they have to hit the kick. How is that something you relish personally, or is it something that? that. Um, so I, I didn't used to. I used to hate it. Um, so I've got social media, and um, my wife now doesn't have social media because the amount of abuse, and like I'm like. I mean, I can't imagine what someone like Hoggy or a football or someone like that gets. Like, the amount of abuse you get from people because you make a mistake, um, and it, it's, it can be quite difficult to deal with. Like, from a psychological point of view, like if you've made a mistake that might have cost you the game, or you've made a mistake that might have put you in a bad situation, everyone here is a professional, so they're already they're already going a hundred miles an hour in their brain and being really critical of themselves. And then you jump on, and you've got every Tom, Dick and Harry thinking mm-hmm. that they've got the right to vent their opinion directly to you and you're like well, you, Fraser Brown yeah and you're like well if you walk down the street or you come and see me outside I doubt very much that you're going to go and say that straight to my face some people might and that's fine I'd love to have an argument with people <laughs> <laughs> but like so that that used to be really difficult now I you just can't let it bother you like the, the amount of times you're in a pressure situation you've got to understand that you're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. Do you have a routine though? Do you have a, say, hypothetically, you miss your first throw of the game? Is there something that you actually do on the pitch to be, right, park that, move on, in the same way? So I know, some, I know some people do it and they call it, like, I say, the flush system. So it's like you're flushing the toilet, for instance, and you flush it away. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe in that. I have the exact same routine no matter what happens. Okay. So, um, it's interesting, there's a guy, a coach that comes in with us and he works with Edinburgh, um, a guy called Simon Hardy, who's a throwing coach, mm-hmm. um, and he's been coming in here for about two years and he's brilliant. Like in his, in all of our sessions, he, he will never criticise you for a bad throw. He'll only ever ask you when you've done a brilliant throw or a perfect throw, what made that a good throw? Right. So straight away you're always thinking about the positives and what makes things good throws. So if you miss a throw, you're never thinking, oh, I did that, I did that. You're always thinking about, well, the next one, I need to do this, I need to do that. Okay. So in, in a game, I've got the exact same process. So whether, you know, I stay off the line until everyone's in the line out and then you step onto the line. So already you've got a mental trigger that as soon as your feet touch that line, that's your process started. So in theory, in theory, um, if you have that same process, it doesn't matter if you've missed two throws beforehand or if you've hit every single throw because you're treating every single line out and every single throw as its own thing it doesn't matter what came before or after mm-hmm. now obviously situations in games aren't like that and they're always going to be pressure pressure but if you can try and almost keep things as compact as that every single time you do it then more often than not nine times out of ten and 99 times out of a hundred you'll get the outcome because you're just going through the same process rather than thinking about right what if they pod up in front of me here what if it's a bit windy. What if it's that? What if it's that? Those mm-hmm. are all factors you've got to consider, but you just try and go through the same process. And so I keep going back to the comparisons with the fly half, but it's very much the same. They'll do two steps back, three to the left, whatever it is. Yeah. So if you've got your own little, I'll do this, 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 and this. Again, with like me, if you watch me, I'll I'll be off the line. I get my hands right in the ball. I step on the line. Ball come above my head, and then I'm just watching the triggers in the line out. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not as easy as just chucking the ball. And like you've got to be able to read defenses. Um, some jumpers, we say you're doing like a 
you're coming forward one step and going straight up or there's a couple of movements, bounces and they're coming up but if they've sat in a pod at the front where you're hoping to go up, the jumper might adjust and end up going up maybe half a metre behind where yeah. you've been running it all week mm -hmm. so then, and you're talking about it fraction a fraction of a second you've got to be able to process that get your timing and release light from your hands get the shape of it right either putting a bit flatter putting a bit mm -hmm. more shape in it read if it's contested or it's uncontested and you're not going to get it right the whole time but um, it's quite difficult so the process that I do before I start throwing is the most important aspect and then it's almost like your automatic takes over actually um, is it the same from your point of view as a line out jumper are, you, are there things in phrases the way he shapes that you can read that actually he can throw this slightly differently or do he you doesn't just go up in the spot that he's been jumping all week I'm going to kill him yeah. is, that, is that what it is? We, we, we do so much drills I mean like you know, before we actually get to the game we've probably done each line out five or six times yeah. um, and, and they don't change a massive amount either so you do get really familiar with you know where you're meant to be where you're meant to be jumping except for this week they've all changed yeah, yeah it's come off <laughs> but, but you do you have little kind of individual parts of your game where you have little different thought processes and you know um, you know for me before games uh, you know there's a couple of things that stand out to me but you know I always listen to music before a game I'll always do the same warm up and you know it's just a way of kind of getting into your groove I think mm -hmm. and kind of finding that kind of I don't know what it is it's just like a, a routine it's like a routine and you know it kind of brings you back into what exactly am I doing in this moment and it takes it can kind of uh, remove some of the distractions and whatnot about what's happening in the past or the future um, so I, I think they're yeah they're fantastic for players and, uh, and everybody's different everyone's got their own little thing um, but you know for someone like Fraz who's a hooker who's who's doing what he's doing you know I've never pro I've probably not experienced uh, that, <laughs> that yet and I'll leave that to him <laughs> I think like um I I never get myself that worked up before a game, so I can. I'm one of those guys that can drift through a warm up, so I'll still warm up properly with the team, but I don't. I'm not that switched on. And then when I go back in the changing room, I might go for a quick pee and I come back in. I put my shirt on, and then I might have a chat with the two props that I'm starting with about something to do with what we're going to do first scrum. I'll speak to ten and I'll speak to the lineout caller about our first lineouts. And then I just go sit in my spot and just sit there for like three or four minutes and just mm -hmm. kind of not think about anything really, just kind of drift off. And that's my time to switch on. And then the only other part of my routine I have is the night before a game, so I'll read through my plays, I'll read through my defensive notes, and I'll read through the lineouts. And then I'll usually do it with headphones on. And I, the, when I'm visualizing the last couple of things, probably my throws, I have the same song on that I then have playing in the changing room and it's my last song before I take my headphones off. Right, almost like a trigger. Like yeah, a so like, and again, like I then go from there and I've got 45 minutes until I come in and actually mm -hmm. get switched on, but it, it's just, if you're visualising the type of things you want to do, the type of throws I want to do and that's the music I'm listening to, when I'm sitting back down again, I don't necessarily have to be thinking about what I'm doing, but that music's just a little trigger yeah. and it's just like a reminder to my brain that this is what you've been doing. Um, just things like that. Like you, you can never be sure if it helps, but yeah, it helps. Calm, like it helps, kind of just settle me down. Yeah, I think one of the things that's helped me understand as I've got older in sport, like, is that you can never really control how you feel before a game. You're all over the place. Sometimes you feel really nervous. Sometimes you feel really confident. But riding that wave is 
it's, it's helpful to know that like because you know when I played when I was a younger player I'd certainly I'd want to feel the same way before every game and you if worry, I didn't feel that you way worry, yeah, you'd worry yeah. oh, I don't feel maybe I'm not up for it maybe you know you'd be thinking all right, these okay. things in your head but as you get older you start to kind of yeah. learn and realise that that's just natural to, to feel confident one minute and insecure the next and you know the more you can understand that the less that you actually get into a big thought storm in your head about it well it was one for me at the weekend like I, that was my first home game since October and um, like I love playing here like playing at Glasgow when the crowd's bouncing it's like a riot's about to kick off <laughs> just before the bottles get thrown and like it's brilliant so I, I was sitting in the changing room and it must have been about an hour before kickoff, and all of a sudden my heart started to go and adrenaline was pumping and I was sitting there and I was like, getting a bit out of breath I was like oh my god if it had been a couple of years ago I'd be like oh what's wrong because mm-hmm. I was like, ner- like nervous like you get nervous it doesn't mean that you're you're panicking about what's going on but you get nervous because it's, it's a natural process and then I just like kind of calmed down and then went through my normal process and I was nervous because I hadn't played at home since I was yeah, yeah. as you know it's been I hadn't played for Glasgow since the 9th of December mm-hmm. you know so it's it's the same when you go to Scotland like you, you get such big gaps between when you play international rugby you can be three, four, five, two years three mm-hmm. years you know you it's, you're going to be feeling different every single time you do it. You might come back from injury. You might have, you might be a married man with a kid since the last time you put you. All yeah. these things that you don't think factor into it do because they change your psyche and how you think about things. Like every little thing changes. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy with a kid might be going out and thinking right, right now I'm doing this because I've got another reason why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Whereas a single guy that's not got a girlfriend might be like, I'm going out because I love doing this and I just want to bash people. I want a woman. I want, yeah, <laughs> and I want to go on my social media afterwards and see, how many, people, in the crowd. see how many people have like DM me on Instagram. Like that. And it's just, it's daft. You think people don't think about this, but they do. 100% it goes through your head. Mm-hmm. So like learning that all these thoughts and all these emotions and all these different feelings are completely natural cycle of what every player goes through beforehand and I think the danger for some players is when they try and standardise the feeling before every single yeah. game and that's when you were saying like, that's tr- yeah. struggle street and trouble isn't it yeah, I mean, like, like, there's guys I know that do that and they are psychologically <laughs> a complete wreck <laughs> and they stress the hell out of some people that they're playing with and the thing is you, know, you always know that they're going to go out there and perform but it's a stressful place <laughs> being in their like surroundings yeah. before a game because you're like you're gonna feel different by the way. <laughs> so true. Yeah, and it's it, so true. It's yeah, I think it's really interesting. Jack and Ashy with the weekly Glasgow Warriors podcast. There'll be more from Fraser Brown in the second half of this week's podcast. But first, here's what head coach Dave Rennie had to say at today's busy media day at Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast. Dave, in a week like this, do you consciously kind of ramp things up or is it more a case of just going about your, your normal business? Oh, look, it's, it's clearly a little bit more excitement, a massive game. Um, but yeah, look, we're not making too many changes. I think it's a bit of a danger of uh, overthinking things and uh, we want to make sure we're really clear going into the game on what we're going to do and clear of the threats that the opposition poses. So. Uh, it's more of the same. Do you feel like you're you're bubbling up nicely in terms of your recent form during Six Nations? Now you're welcoming back the Scotland boys. It's all kind of pointing towards you. You're, this game's coming at the right time. No, look, well, we're happy where we were at. We know a uh, massive challenge, and it's a uh, it's a different level maybe to what we've we've played in the recent weeks. So, uh, but, you know, it's got us where we want to be. We're we're uh, 
you know, Raptors will still be part of the race. Uh, he's 12 teams got a week off in, in Europe, so um, you know, look, we're, we're going to go down there, we're going to throw everything at it. Sum up the scale of that challenge, Saracens in their own backyard, is that as tough as it comes in European terms? Oh yeah, probably. Um, yeah, we've, we've had a taste of it already. Um, but you know, you get you gotta you gotta run towards the light. We're you know, we're we're excited to be in in the competition still. We're you know we're gonna back ourselves to go down there and uh, really challenge them. And we know we're gonna have to be really good because they're a quality side. What can you take from a couple of games from against the Mallor on this season? Um, oh look, we're well aware of what they bring. You know, very big team, very physical, and. You know, so we're going to have to be really disciplined because they've got the ability to put you in the corner and strangle you. Um, we're going to have to defend really well. I thought we defended very well. Um, you know, the first time we played them here, not well enough when we played them down there and it, it hurt us in the end. But you know, we've, uh, we've been in the game for sort of 70 minutes both times. So um, we just have to be really clinical, take our opportunities and defend well. Is it a case of... You matched them physically here, certainly, um, but the, the execution and the attack wasn't quite on, and then you did open them up down there, so is it a case of sort of marrying the best bits of the two performances? Yeah, like in the end, we've got 80 minutes, we need to be at our best, and we're going to have to play for 80. Um, you know, they've got, a, they've got a top side, and they've got to have a lot of depth. And, um, but yeah, like, like I say, it's, uh, it's, it's good, you know, we're... Uh, where we want to be and we're, we're happy about that. What would it mean to Glasgow and, and Scottish rugby, I suppose, to get through to a European semi-final, something this club's never done before? Yeah, well, it creates a little bit of history, doesn't it? So, uh, you know, it's, it's always exciting to be part of. And, um, but, yeah, look, it's, um, it's obviously with us in Edinburgh, both in, in top eight, it's uh, it's already a good sign and um, I know both sides will be keen to kick on. Have you noticed a bit of excitement around the playoffs so far this week? Yeah, there's always plenty of excitement here. Um, and luckily, we've welcomed a few boys in. Some of the international boys came in last week. There's a few guys we, we gave a week off to freshen up mentally, and they've come back in really good, good state. So, um, yeah, like we've had a good couple of days of preparation so far, and uh, it's nice having everyone back in. Is there a Scotland performance at 21 give the boys some extra you know, motivation and bounce it? Yeah, I mean, it might be personally. It's not something we've talked about, but um, yeah, I can think to come back from 31 0 down, um, you know, shows that you're never out of the race. And so, um, yeah, well, like, um, if, it, if it helps any individual, that's great. But it's not something we're focusing on. Stuart Hogg in line to play. All going well. Yeah, we're pretty confident. The official Glasgow Warriors podcast. <laughs> You've spoken before really openly about mental health and being a professional rugby player and the challenges that presents. Yeah. After that BBC interview you did, did you, what with there being such a stigma about it and this being such a macho, adrenaline fueled environment, was there any, not reaction, but did you notice any differences? What was the, what was so the reaction got, to you? So I, not massive user of social media, like I have it, but I don't interact that much. Like I'm not a believer in after every game sticking a photo up mm-hmm. and using the same four taglines privileged to play what an honour <laughs> boys done great blah blah I, I hate I honestly I hate that I occasionally do it usually again when Jen is like you, you need to put something up I'm like alright okay but um, the reaction after that honestly I got hundreds and hundreds of messages I got lots of tweets people dropping me in but hundreds of like direct messages and um, I've still got them on my phone actually some people just being like thank you so much for doing that other people being like can't believe you've done that like either my brother suffered or my sister suffered mm-hmm. or my dad 
took his own life or something like that. It's like it's unbelievable to hear that. And if I'm being completely honest, I never thought about that when I was speaking about it. I almost did it from like an anger, snap, judgment point of view. I was doing a, an interview with Tom English, and from the minute I started playing professional rugby again, every question that a journalist has asked me almost at the start of an interview is like, oh, you've had injuries, you had neck injuries, you stopped playing, how is this, how is this? And Tom started that interview being like, oh, well, you know, you've you've finally cemented yourself as the number two at Scotland, you know, you've had injuries, had your work way back, I mean, how, much, how difficult was that for you? And I was like, because your body heals. Mm-hmm. And if your body doesn't heal, for most people, you move on and you do something else. And it might be difficult because you've, you're changing vocation you're doing something completely different that you never thought you'd been doing before but you move on but for me I was like I was absolutely mentally shattered like I didn't know didn't have a clue what I was going to do with myself and I was like that was the hardest thing so in the what am I I've been at Glasgow for seven years now so I've been doing professional rugby before that I've been doing that since I was 18 so in 11 years not a single person had ever asked me oh how was it like mentally, mm-hmm. they were always like, "Oh, how how was your body like recovering from?" I'm like, "Body, my body's fine. Like, if, tomorrow if I go out and I smack someone and dislocate my shoulder and that's me done, I'll be like, I'm gutted, but I gave it a good run and I went out doing something I absolutely loved. But how mentally am I going to react to the change? And when I was 20 and I got told you can't do it anymore, again there was no, I mean from a Scottish rugby point of view, there was zero support from mental perspective. Um, thankfully it's something that we're, we're changing now and there's so much more help and um, obviously with the players and the, the establishment of the players association that's a big driving force in that mm-hmm. but originally they were just like oh yeah we can give you all the support if you need physio blah 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 I'm like oh I can get that I can do that in the NHS I can go online and I can find physio and I can find exercises I can go to the gym there was none of that so when I spoke about it I almost did it from a and anger like what the hell no this is what was killing yeah, me yeah, yeah. this is what was destroying me but, and then as soon as I said it I didn't really realise I think Tom didn't actually realise as well because like, he was like afterwards he's like oh wow that's thank you so much for doing that and I was like what are you talking about he was like no for coming out and like opening up and I was like I was just, just telling you exactly yeah. like, what was going on like it's not a big deal for me like I'm quite happy to sit down with anyone and chat about almost anything um most of the time, other people are wrong when I'm chatting about it, <laughs> but like, I'm quite happy to talk about anything. Did you notice, a, uh, not a reaction, but a difference in the changing room and the way people... No, nah, not at all. Just... Not at all. I, like, so I've got a couple of friends, and I know of a couple of other people that since then have caught, came and told me about things that were going on in their own life. I also know of a couple of people that didn't want to talk to me because they were like, well, you came out and said this, but I feel like you're quite open and talking about it. I didn't want to come and talk to you because you're quite a good friend of mine um, and that's like inside and outside rugby and it's just interesting like everyone is different mm-hmm. like you've got no idea and um, all of our staff here so all the coaches and management they go through uh, sort of mental health workshops now because they're like well you've got interaction with players and um, I was actually chatting to Nicola um, sort of the head physio a couple of months ago because they went and saw the the guy that came in and did that talk with us. I yeah. can't remember what his name can't was. Remember his name. Um, he was, yeah, really nice guy. He was great. But they, so they went away and did that, and they were like, because you've got these interactions. I was like, God, players 
what do you think we do? Mm -hmm. Like, if you had a bad day, do you think we just go home and like turn our phone off? No, I go for a coffee and a massive sappuccino. Like, <laughs> I will go <laughs> for like, oh, the cathartic release of just like moaning and moaning and moaning. Might be a surprise to some people listen to this, but like, and it, like the players are the guys that have got the most contact with other players. And you have got your best friends in the squad. There's a squad of 50 of us. You'll get on with everyone in the squad from the fact that you work with them. There might be guys that you would never, ever touch in a social situation if you were outside of work. Because it's, after all, it's your yeah. workplace. Mm -hmm. But there's other guys in the squad that would be your best mates. And they'll be your best mates for life like they would do your school friends or your friends when you were growing up. Mm -hmm. So you know when there's something not quite right. So like, those are the interesting conversations. And they're the ones that pick it up. Um, what I do think is, even though it's more open to talk about it, people still never really want to like open up about it. Mm -hmm. And I think they find it hardest sitting down. If I'm sitting next to Ashy, I'd be like, oh, Ashy, I'm struggling at the minute. Rather than me being like, Adam, are you okay? You've just not seemed like yourself. Mm -hmm. And just doing that, all of a sudden, just opens that gate for people to be like, actually, I'm kind of not at a great time at the minute. Mm -hmm. So like, that's the thing for me I think is most interesting. And more like people in the squad are generally pretty good at it. Yeah, I think it's something that's got a lot better over the last few years or so. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. You know, people are speaking up more about it because, uh, you know, as as difficult as it can be, it, I think it is a thing that is, it happens. It's mm -hmm. normal, and it, it's not. It's not that there's anything wrong with it for it happening to somebody. You know, I think if you were to ask probably half the players in any rugby team, they'll have had a period of real difficulty in their life, and um, you know, it's something I think is. It's great that people are speaking up about it, um, because it, it does it, it gives that comfort to, to those that are going through it at, at any point. So, um, you know, it's it's great. R rugby teams are, are brilliant because it's one of the great things about playing on a team is you've got that support system mm -hmm. around you at all times, and um, people are constantly, normally asking, "How are you? How are you feeling? You know, mm -hmm. uh, how's the body, or you know, whatever it is." And um, you know, luckily we're in that position where if you know if we are struggling a whole group of people around us so yeah it's, it's certainly helpful like it's so normal like you can tell someone's lost weight mm -hmm. and if they've got a shoulder injury but like people you don't have to be happy 100% of the time all the time and it's I think an that illusion, isn't it? yeah and I think like that's the thing like going through these natural cycles of feeling pretty crappy or whatever that's just natural for every single yeah. person and it's around work it's around home it's around stress loads of things like that so that's just normal and being able to just be like, oh, I've had a, I've had a rubbish like four weeks. Yeah. I think because maybe you got injured or maybe just something's going on or maybe you're just feeling like crap. Yeah. And like it's just so normal to be like, yeah, I've just had a rubbish couple of weeks. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, that's right. Do you want to go and grab a coffee? Or do you want to go for food? Or mm -hmm. like we're going to do this. Do you want to come on the weekend? Just something like that. Like it's, it's just, it, it's better now. It's just a normal, natural yeah. part of, yeah. of just, I don't know, just getting on with life yeah. like and, and it's authentic as well I mean like it's, it's real yeah. to be able to do that and I think that it actually attracts people like to to, to want to, to be friends with you if you're just real and say yeah. things how they are and, yeah. and don't hide anything and you know I think uh, yeah I think it's certainly something that should be encouraged as much as possible um, and I think it's something that we do quite well here as you say so I think Glasgow's great for it like we're quite a like what goes along with that is we're quite a dark humoured yeah. like club like um, you know you you break your leg or you do your ankle injury 
you walk in in a moon boot and the first oh what are you in a boot for or like yeah, you're yeah. storing your shoes you're like not getting much sympathy away, are you? Ah. straight away like there's sympathy there but it's like I'm gonna rip the <laughs> yeah. and it's like and that's like that's our coping mechanism because everyone here knows any single day could be your last day or you could have a big injury the next day yeah. so the coping mechanism that every single person in the squad mm-hmm. will have done something or will do something at some point in their career mm-hmm. and how we cope is just by ripping the absolute neck out of everyone yeah I, I think man like I, I've been thinking about this a bit over the last few years but I think sport in general like professional sport especially or elite sport it like condenses life lessons mm-hmm. like into a really obviously this is only a 10 or 12 year career max but you know the experiences that you have and the struggles the highs and lows that you go through during this period can be so beneficial yeah. they can be difficult at the time but you know for the rest of your life can be can so beneficial and be so helpful for the, you and your growth as a, as a human I think so you know that's also something to consider I think you know you know, maybe you do kind of look at the, the Sunday papers or whatever it is once a week and, and you see, oh, there's maybe a sports person talking about uh, depression or anxiety. But, you know, I think that the nature of this career is, is one of ups and downs. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic that we're identifying these things and, and uh, you know, making people aware of it and the, and the normalcy of it. Mm. That's really interesting. I was... I have so many rugby questions, but yeah, it feels... You know, we went off on a tangent there, I'm quite good at that whenever I'm on the radio. <laughs> I did, like, Sports Sound in uh, January, end of December, and it was after we'd lost to Edinburgh here. Mm-hmm. The first 15 or 20 minutes was meant to be about Edinburgh Glasgow and Edinburgh winning, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the Cameron Bancroft, so you know the cricketer Cameron Bancroft, the guy, the, like, the third guy that was in the sandpaper ball tampering thing? Mm-hmm. So it just come out, um, there's a story about him and he was saying like, oh, I felt like I was pressured to do it because of like the senior players in the squad. And then just after that, the Andy Murray story had come out about how he was dealing with like taking painkillers to deal with his hip pain, blah, blah, blah. So I went and sat down and they asked me something about Edinburgh Glasgow. And for 15 and a half minutes, I went off on a tangent about Cameron Bancroft and then Andy Murray. And um, they came in at the end and were like, well, that taught us absolutely nothing about Glasgow <laughs> Edinburgh. And now we've got to move on to the Six Nations because we've run out of time. I was like, Brilliant. Oh, yes, it's all right. Well, let's talk a bit about rugby. Fred, you must be one of a handful of people who could play international rugby in, in two positions. Um, but if you could play in any other position, apart from two or seven, where would you want to go? Um, I've kind of always fancied 12. Me too. Like 12, you get... You get a lot of the ball, like you've got, you have to have pretty decent skills. You get to kick, um, but you also get to run into people pretty hard and, mm-hmm. and put a couple of shots on people. And like, uh, obviously, I'm pretty good mates with Arge. Mm-hmm. Arge is kind of like a 12 back row hybrid. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when Arge is fit and playing well, like he's the perfect 12 for me. Like, he's just, he's so, he's one of the best guys ever to play with because you can be getting absolutely pumped up front and someone somehow scoops the ball out to Arge and he just runs over three people and gets you like a metre. Which Drowsy was the same when George was yeah, there. Yeah. Get you over the game line every just time. Just every time. And then he'd always come up with some like massive defensive play. And I'm like, if I had like the physical abilities to be able to play 12, I'd love to play there. Mm-hmm. You the same? I'd be 12 as well, yeah. When you think about it, you, you get a lot of similar involvements to to that of a back row yeah. in my case but probably a little bit more rest to freshen up yeah. as well which would be quite nice so no mauling 
Yeah, no mauling, or scrums. no scrums, no, not that scrums takes too much out of me. But uh, yeah, just like I, I guess as forwards, we're used to kind of going around the corner and, and constantly, you know, you're constantly got to do something. As a twelve or maybe even a thirteen, you're you're resetting and you know you're a little bit fresher most of the time. So I think that'd be a, a I'd like to play there. Um, one place I wouldn't want to play is the front row. <laughs> I wouldn't want to play one or three. <laughs> I suppose hooker's the best. Luckily, like in our in our system, although Rens might disagree, you get to hang out in that kind of centre channel quite a lot as yeah. a hooker because you know you're kind of you're there after line outs and yeah, like scrums and line outs. And what you're always the last on away, and you sort of the back row so they go out wide. But you you get to get your hands on ball quite a lot, quite a bit. Like you've also you're a bit more mobile than the two boys either side of you. Yeah, so massively. Your, your hooker's basically your fourth back row player yeah. nowadays. Like, is that and is that just here or is that kind of? I think it's everywhere. You think that's yeah, everywhere? Yeah. The, I think you look like the position man. of hookers evolved to just yeah. be a second seven. Well, you look at hookers across the world now. You got like Dane Cole, you got Cody Taylor, you got Car- um, you got Marks, um, Rory Best started it. Um, you look at. Cronin at Leinster. Oh, of course, um, Ken Owens was Ken starting Owens, Yeah, he was starting, starting at eight. I, I, um, after the Wales game, I was, obviously I went on. Um, <laughs> since uh, Jamie started at seven, got head injuries, so Hamish went on his first game back, got cut within like three minutes. So um, I, I'd been sitting down for like 40 minutes. It was a minute before we went and did our first warm-up of the game and I got punted on at seven. And then came off and then we finished the game and I was walking off. I was chatting to Ken. He was like, oh, back in the back row, I see. And I was like, oh, one of us has got to play in the back row at some point <laughs> in a game, so at least I get to play seven and not eight. I've got no responsibilities, just get to run around like a bit of an idiot. Did you find being so versatile put you on the back foot in any way? Yeah, because people are like, you can sit on the bench because you can cover two and seven. And it like it's, it's good in a way, I got asked this today, it's like good in a way because you know you can cover like a couple of positions and stuff like that. But people do see you, I suppose like being like a t- 10, 12 or like a 13 wing and they're like, oh, we'll put you on the bench because you can cover that. So you know you're probably going to get a game, but you also know that there's a chance that you could be sitting there for 78 minutes because there's a couple of injuries and mm-hmm. you might not get on even if you deserve to. So you can look at it both ways, I suppose. It, the context of the game would depend on how it goes. One of the main talking points around Scots in the last couple of weeks has been Hoggy's hair. Huh. Has he received ample stick for that? Actually, I, th- I can't talk about hairlines. So. He's well, he got a lot of <laughs> stick. Idea, can you? First, I'd say first week he was getting pelters, but he's he's kept himself together and he took it on the chin pretty well. Was it? Is it a bet? Um, is it a? No, it was just, just a good for a new look. It's a just bit a Ellen Conlon and mid-career crisis, I think. Yeah, I think that must be what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, Matt Scott did it first at Edinburgh, and I think I Hoggy's was he like, first? Or yeah, Matty, Matty apparently just text the the guy that did it came in and cut a couple of the boys here during the Six Nations. He was like, Matty just texted me one day, being like, I want to go like a Guerrero light bulb moment. Yeah, <laughs> just like all right, and then Hoggy just seems to follow suit. But yeah, when you've not had here for a while. <laughs> and you get a <laughs> lot of it back. He's kind of like, what's well, like, like, with it? Like, yeah, <laughs> quite right. That'll be thinking. Yeah. Jack and Ashy with the weekly Glasgow Warriors podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Warriors Weekly. We'll be back at the same time next week. 
Then we'll be looking back at the game at Allianz Park and previewing our game against Ulster here on Friday night. Tickets to that are still available at glasgowarriors.org. And don't forget, we will be going big for the game against Edinburgh a few weeks later. 10,000 people here at Scotston, and you can get tickets to that game also at glasgowarriors.org. And as we get towards the end of the season, thoughts turn to Celtic Park and the final, a game we are desperate to be involved in. And you can get tickets in advance at scottishrugby.org. Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy.